everyone. Welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. So glad that you could join us today as we seek to help integrate the scriptures in your life and show us the relevance of all of the Bible's teaching to all of life's living. On today's episode, Mike Knox, our regular co-host, is going to give us the Life Hacker's Guide to Prayer. That sounds fantastic. Mike, are you a life hacker? Well, let me quickly deny being a hacker. I have neither the desire nor the ability to hack into people's computers or online accounts and steal their info. I'm sure you'll sleep much better tonight, Matthew, knowing that clarification. But maybe I'm a little bit of a life hacker. Life hacking is all about finding better ways to do the daily tasks of our lives. It could be learning how to fry an egg quicker and better or how to make that exercise regime finally stick. In that sense, I'm a little bit of a life hacker. In fact, just today I went to the Life Hacking website to search all their posts on life hacks for praying. Guess how many relevant search results came up, Matthew? I am guessing somewhere between zero and negative one. <laughs> yeah, sadly, sadly, that's right. Your zero figure is correct. Uh, but I'm proud to say that after this episode releases, people will be able to search the Practicology Podcast website for the Life Hacker's Guide to Prayer, and they'll be able to find at least one relevant result. Well, that's great. Now, what if listeners decided they wanted to search the Bible for the Life Hacker's Guide to Prayer? Would anything turn up in those results? Uh, probably not, at least not in the translations I use. Maybe some results would turn up in some of your sketchy paraphrases, Matthew. Um, but I want to take us to Psalm 20, which I think can give us a lot of help and encouragement with our daily responsibility and privilege of prayer. That's good, Mike, because if we're honest, most of us could use some help with praying daily. Uh, I appreciate encouragement and direction and some guidance that will help me in my prayer life. I know I need it. I want it. For many of us, making prayer a regular part of our life can be as hard, well, maybe as that example you gave a moment ago about trying to stick with a particular exercise plan. I agree with you, brother. And it's not just doing it, but but when we do pray, how, how do we pray? What should we ask for? And so on. Whenever I read Psalm 20, I think back to when I was a kid and wondered what I would do if I did find a genie in a bottle. The mind works in mysterious ways, especially a young boy's mind, I guess. But anyways, what, what if a genie does pop out and, and gives me just one wish? Well, what, what would I do? How would I spend that one wish? Eventually, I figured out what to do. You could call it the life hack, I suppose, for genies in a bottle. You, you simply ask for a thousand wishes, and that would probably pretty much cover off everything I would want to ask for. And what if you could only pray for one thing? This Psalm 20 gives us a wonderful life hack for prayer. Matthew, would you please read the first four verses of Psalm 20 for us? I will gladly do that. I'm thinking, Mike, if you could have your thousand wishes, surely one of them would be to come back to Halifax for a true donair, but we'll have to postpone that Amen. Uh, for another time. But uh, let's see what this one request is here in the psalm. Psalm number 20, to the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt offering, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. That's Psalm 20 verses 1 to 4. And that last verse sounded really good. I'm going to 
dwell on that one a moment. Let's read it again. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Yes, thanks, Matthew. Uh, Christopher Ash, who I'll be drawing from a fair bit in the rest of this episode, he points out how tempting it is to make this verse four our life verse. Put it on the wall, make it into a bumper sticker, share it all over Instagram. We, we think this verse is talking about me. Isn't all the Bible talking about me? The Bible is saying to you, Matthew, and to me, may God give you everything your heart desires and fulfill all your life dreams. Sounds like a wonderful sort of health and wealth gospel text. Sounds wonderful, but the verse and the whole psalm actually gives us something far better when we interpret it in context. So you're going to take us to the context, are you? I guess it is important, but I mean, it is good to remember I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. <laughs> but if you want to give us the context of Psalm 20, we'd appreciate that. Who is the you then, if it's not you, Mike, or me, or our friends listening to the podcast right now, and it says, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans? Yeah, that's the key question. Who is the you in this psalm? Maybe I'll just go through some of these verses. He says in verse two, may he, God, send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. Why is it talking about Zion in the sanctuary? In verse three, it says, may he remember and regard with favor all your burnt sacrifices. We think, well, I haven't offered too many of those recently. We come to verse five. It says, may we shout for joy over your salvation. And we realize this is talking about one individual. If God answers this one individual in his day of trouble, sending help from the temple in response to this individual's burnt offerings, somehow it will benefit all of us. His individual rescue, God answering his individual prayer, somehow means salvation, blessing, rescue for all of us. Well, we come to verse six and it says, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. And we go, ah, oh, now I get it. It's this you is the anointed one. He's the king. Now it makes sense. Verse two is talking about the temple in Jerusalem where the king's throne is. Verse three, uh, where, where it mentions about, you know, your offerings and burnt sacrifices and so on. Verse three is, is talking about how the king is the person responsible for the temple worship. As the king goes, so go the people. We, we know this just reading the history of Israel. When you had a good king, the people worshiped God. When you had a bad king, the whole nation committed idolatry. So verse five says that, that if the king, as the representative of all the people he rules over, if the king is delivered, it means victory for us all. We, we can think of how maybe a, a child could pray for the well-being of their mom or dad. If, if all goes well with mom and dad, then all will go well for me too. And that's sort of the sense of Psalm 20, praying for everything to go well for the king. If he is encircled by armies out to get him, if the Lord answers the king's prayer and rescues the king, then the whole nation is saved along with him. Well, that makes good sense, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, I also read the superscription, though, if you'll remember, and it said, David wrote this psalm. So how can how can the king be the you of the psalm if he's the one writing it? I mean, do you have him sitting in front of the mirror, kind of admiring his own reflection while he sings to himself, may the Lord grant you your heart's desire, David. May the Lord fulfill all your life's dreams. 
Well, that's a great pushback. Um, but let's just remember the historical context. David is the king who in 2 Samuel 7 is promised a son. And it's not a stretch to imagine him. I mean, maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but one can sort of picture him with, uh, with Solomon in the cradle and David's rocking the cradle. And he's, he's speaking these words. He's singing these words over his son. He's saying, he's saying, may the Lord grant you your heart's desire, little one. May he fulfill all your plans. Uh, for instance, you could look at 1 Chronicles 22 and get a little example of this. Plus, we need to remember David is a singer-songwriter. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He, he often records prayers and music for the Lord's people to pray and sing as part of their worship. And uh, according to Acts 2 and 1 Peter 1 verse 13, he's the Spirit-inspired prophet who doesn't just write about himself and his own experiences, but he's ultimately writing about his greater son, the Lord Jesus himself. Yeah, I love it when that happens and what you've explained makes great sense. So David is speaking to his son and at one level, uh, he could be thinking of Solomon, but ultimately he's thinking of that greater son further down the line, the promised Messiah. And I love it when that happens in scripture. Before you did all this interpretive work, Mike, that you've provided for us very concisely now, some of us would have thought, okay, this verse is talking about us. So the frustration is now you, you've sort of taken verse four away from us. Do we need to, should I take it down from my wall if it is hanging there? Do I need to find a new life verse now? You said that knowing who the real you of verse four is, is actually better than thinking it's ourselves. Well, how is verse four being about Christ better than if it's about me. Mm, now we're getting very close to seeing how this psalm is a life hacker's guide to prayer. Because when that greater son does come that you've just referred to, God does answer from his heavenly temple because of the son's reverence and worship. The Lord Jesus offers the ultimate burnt sacrifice, Ephesians 5 verse 2. God raises him from the dead and says, not you can have up to half of my kingdom, but says you can have everything, all of it, whatever your heart desires. This is the king, the son. Given who he is, given what he's done, no request of his will be denied. In John 11, the Lord Jesus says to the father, I know you always hear me. Now, here's the king who can get whatever he desires. Now, how is that better, you say, than me being the person in verse 4? Because of this, the king gets whatever his heart desires, and then he tells the father what it is he desires. I'm quoting from John 17, verse 24. Uh, maybe let some goosebumps crawl over your skin as you hear, overhear the Lord Jesus expressing his heart's desire to the father. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. When this king is given whatever he desires, and then he prays for it, what is the one thing he desires? It's you, it's you. What if you could only pray for one thing? These kinds of questions are helpful. They are life hack type questions. If, if you could only bring, you know, we're, we're all familiar with these sorts of examples. If you could only bring one thing out of a house fire, what would it be? Well, the question helps prioritize what's important to you, right? If you could only bring one book or one thing or one person to an island, what would it be? If you only had one day left to live, what would you do? These things are helpful for us in, in a life hacking sort of way. 
But what about this question? If you could only ask God for what thing, one thing, what should you pray for? On the one hand, it needs to be something certain enough. No sense wasting that one request on something that God will not be inclined to give us. But on the other hand, it has to be something worth having. You might, you might ask for something that God will certainly give you, but it's not good enough to merit using up that one opportunity to pray for something. It must be the best possible thing you could ask for and still be something you know God will give you. Well, here's the answer. Pray like David does in Psalm 20 verse 4. Pray that God will give the Lord Jesus whatever he wants because what he wants is you. Yeah, that is precious and beautiful. I, I've just been enjoying a lot of my own reading. It seems wherever I'm reading lately, God is showing me how much he really wants to bless us. And what you've shown us here in Psalm 20, to think that we have a king who worshiped God faithfully, perfectly. He offered the greatest sacrifice imaginable. He can ask for anything he wants. And the thing he asked for is us. As you pointed out from John 17, how much he obviously loves us and desires us. It's It should touch our hearts. And Mike, I'm thinking this is a life hacker's guide to prayer because this should give me a new joy in my prayer. Yeah, yeah we're just finishing up now on, on sort of three, we could call them life hacks from Psalm 20 for prayer. And yes, Matthew, you're right. This, this psalm gives us a new joy in prayer. When we remember how much he loves us and longs for us, prayer becomes not a drudgery, but a joy. We can stop praying because we have to pray, and we can start doing it just for the sheer pleasure of it. That's great, Mike. Um, I think of your father-in-law who has shared with me at times just how much he just enjoys praying. But we're not all like him. And uh, we don't all have easy times like that. And sometimes we, we just don't find it easy to pray still, despite what you've told us. The Bible says we're dust, we're weak. Sometimes prayer does seem like a just a religious duty I need to do or a drudgery for us. How can you help me there? Yeah, then we remember that these truths of Psalm 20 don't, don't just give us a new joy. But number two, they give us a new confidence in prayer, a new joy in prayer and a new confidence in prayer. We are praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are coming to the Father in the name of the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Great King who gets all that his heart desires. And we are the desire of his heart. So we have double confidence in him to pray and come to God, even when we're feeling a little out of it spiritually. And, and one more thing, not only are we given a new joy in prayer and a new confidence in prayer, but Psalm 20 gives us number three, a new way to pray. David composed many of these songs and prayers, as I already said, for, for the people to learn how to sing and pray. He was teaching Israel to pray this way, not, God, give me all my heart desires, fulfill all my life plans. No, he was teaching them to pray this way. Lord, please give the king all he wants. If all goes well with him, all will be fine with me too. As goes the king, so goes we the people. And Christopher Ash says, we can learn to pray this way too. We can pray, Father, as we meet as a church to discuss this problem or make these plans for the future, for outreach or whatever, please let the Lord Jesus have all that he wants. May we become the church he yearns for. Father, in this job interview, please let the Lord Jesus have his way. Father, please let me have a spouse in the Lord Jesus' time and in his ways. Help me to think about 
dating and, and pursuing someone as he would want me to. The, the psalm ends with this verse, O Lord, save the king, may he answer us when we call. The answered prayer of our Lord Jesus, the acceptance that he has in his prayer life is what gives us joy and confidence and, and a methodology for prayer. That's great stuff, Mike. I mean, you've those expressions you mentioned at the end, uh, kind of a sample prayers were they were the expressions of someone who was totally surrendered to the Lord. But I guess we can do that when we have that new confidence in prayer. We know that God wants to bless us and uh, we know that he hears us as we come in his son's name. So some great stuff here. Um, maybe there's someone listening right now and you say, yes, I'm one of those that needs help praying daily. We know this is a habit that can be hard to make stick. We know that personally. So try these three life hacks from Psalm number 20 in your prayer life. First, remember that when the perfect king of the universe gets to have whatever his heart desires, he desires you. That will give you joy in prayer. Second, learn to come to God in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's infinitely accepted, perfectly accepted by the Father. So we come in his worth and his value. That gives us confidence in our acceptance and it should give us confidence in prayer. Third, learn to ask for things in the Lord Jesus' name as he has himself taught us. John 16, 23, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Great words there from our Lord Jesus and a helpful study from Mike today. Thanks so much. We hope that this life hack will be helpful to you as listeners. And uh, just as we've talked about prayer today, you know, there's something that very often goes along with prayer and that is Bible reading. And we're going to turn to that a little bit in our next episode. We hope you'll join us. We appreciate you so much being with us today on the Practicology Podcast. Thanks, Mike, for the teaching you gave us today. You're very welcome. And I'm looking forward to hearing yours next week, Matthew. All right, everybody have a wonderful day with the Lord's blessing. Yeah, take care, everyone. God bless you. Thank you.